everyone. Welcome to the Complex Trauma Recovery Podcast. My name is Kina. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please click subscribe to help support the channel. Thank you for watching and please like and subscribe for more CPTSD content. And I also have a Patreon where I post videos and writing that aren't available anywhere else. So if you enjoy the work I'm doing and want to support me, please consider subscribing there. Okay, so today I'm going to be talking about some of the practical ways that polyvagal theory and the theories about the nervous system and the body and trauma can be applied in everyday life and some of the tools and uh, resources that I've learned about that have been really beneficial to me that I want to share. So just a refresher for anyone who is not familiar, polyvagal theory is the theory of our nervous systems and specifically how our nervous systems respond to perceived or real threats and disruptions to safety. This specifically is utilized in trauma theories because trauma alters the way that the nervous system interprets and responds to outside stimulus. So um, to simplify, uh, trauma tends to make your nervous system very hypersensitive to signs of danger and also um, not as able to perceive safety um, and get to a calm, grounded, relaxed, and connected state which is a nervous system state. So there's clinical names for these different nervous system functions, and each of the nervous system functions is associated with very different kind of emotional and mental health patterns. Um, So polyvagal theory is really cool. I've loved it. Uh, As soon as I found out about it, my last episode was interviewing a therapist about it. Um, And I think a lot of people find out about it and are like, wow, this is really cool. That makes a lot of sense. But sometimes uh, the missing piece is like, what do I do with this? Like, what do I do with this knowledge? How do I actually use this in my life and in trauma recovery? One of the first big ones that I want to talk about that was really helpful for me is something called the three R's, and that stands for Regulate, Relate, Reason. So this is a model that was originally introduced to help parents um, regulate with their kids and help their kids get back to a common grounded state when there was conflict or emotional dysregulation, but it is applicable in quite a few other contexts as well, and I'll be talking about those. Um, But just to explain the theory first, so what we know from polyvagal theory and from science regarding the brain and the body and trauma is that when we are in a state of survival we don't have access to our our higher cognitive capacities so because the brain develops from the bottom up the nervous system develops from the bottom up the foundation of our reactions are our kind of automatic survival responses like fight flight freeze fawn when your amygdala is sending out car alarm signals that you're in danger, whether or not the danger is real, when your body and brain are reacting as if you are in danger, which is a chronic symptom for a lot of people with CPTSD, when that's happening, you don't have access to the same level of cognitive reasoning or grounding or emotional regulation. You don't have access to a lot of these higher skills that are found in the neocortex and more newly developed mammalian parts of the brain. Um, your body is putting all of its focus into survival and safety. And that explains why, if you can relate to like, okay, you're feeling really anxious or upset about something and you're like, okay, I've, I've been going to therapy. I have all these tools. Like I can do this. I can figure it out. But when you're trying to remember what your tools are or you're trying to figure out what you're upset about and like problem solve it, you're just not getting anywhere. Like you just feel stuck and frozen and like anxious loops and Um, what's happening in that moment is that your body is in like 
protection mode and you're trying to access these higher cognitive parts of your brain that are like I'm off board right now we're focused on survival and so it can be really frustrating and it can be ineffective and um, a mistake that a lot of people make whether it's with themselves or in relationships is trying to skip to reasoning before you regulate so with the three R's it um, creates a pathway back towards that learning brain, that that higher cognitive functioning brain where you're able to problem solve, where you're able to reason, where you're able to learn. Um, These are capacities that you don't really get access to until your body gets the message that it's safe and you can kind of regulate yourself physically. So there are so many examples for this, right? Like in the initial way that this model was presented, it was for parents and kids. If the parent tries to go right away into like, you need to understand how I feel and this is my side of things. Like the teenager in that scenario is just not going to be able to hear it. They're not going to be able to be nearly as receptive if their car alarm is going off, if they're um, feeling hypervigilant. It's just not going to go as well. And so um, I think in our very human desire to fix things and maybe just kind of social conditioning, a lot of us skip those first steps and just go straight to reason. And I, I think that's also really reinforced by a lot of like mental health stuff. This is why I've talked before about some of the issues with predominantly using top-down therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy Um, because if you are having trauma responses where your body is stuck in a survival state it can be really ineffective and sometimes even exacerbate the anxiety right but it's very normalized in our I don't you know our culture our world our relationships to just kind of try to go straight to reasoning and that's just not the biological reality of how we function like it doesn't matter how smart you are how self-aware you are if your body is freaking out your brain is not fully on board and you don't have the same ability to learn and to see a different perspective and you know these different skills that are really helpful when you're navigating conflict or dysregulation so some of the main ways that I can see this play out is parents with kids for sure that's an example Um, romantic relationships like conflict between friends any conflict between adults this is going to apply like if you have ever had someone rush you to resolve and reason when you're still really heated about something or you've been the one trying to rush for resolution it probably hasn't worked out that well right and once you've both had time to relax and rest maybe get other support take care of yourselves and you come back together it's like oh wow all of a sudden it feels a lot easier to kind of talk and and understand each other the reason for that is because when you've actually had the time to regulate and your nervous system is in its safe and grounded zone um your communication skills are so much higher your empathy skills are so much higher uh when you're not in survival mode So, yeah, definitely in, like, adult conflicts, romantic relationships, parents and kids. And then also, as I kind of briefly mentioned earlier, just with ourselves. Like, it doesn't have to be with someone else. I use the regulate, relate, reason model every, like, every context of my life. um, With myself, with other people, with kids, with adults, with my partner, like, whatever. The way that I use it is I remind myself that before any kind of productive reasoning or problem solving can really take place, both people, if it's two people, need to be feeling relatively safe, relatively calm and connected, you know? That was hard for me. Like, I am one of those people who tends to want to just resolve things right away and, like, um, reason and analyze things and figure it out. And so it's been challenging for me to work on that. Um, But, oh my gosh, when you 
both do that, when you both take the time to regulate, when you both notice that you're dysregulated, that you're too heated to have a good conversation and you take the time to take care of yourself and you come back together when you feel ready, um, yeah, the, the outcomes of those conversations definitely improves quite a bit from taking those steps. This is also something that I just remind myself of in my own mental health and my own self-care. So I, as I've talked about before on the podcast, um, this is a very common trauma response, but I tend to be very analytical and I am more comfortable living in my head and kind of um, in my reasoning mind than connecting with my emotions or my body, which is where the regulation needs to happen. I can get trapped in a rumination loop really easily and it is not very productive. So, you know, I've gotten better through this work at, um, at noticing when I'm dysregulated, kind of understanding the signs that my nervous system is off, like I'm feeling super fearful, super panicked, super angry, super defensive, um, kind of collapsed and hopeless. Like I I know what these red flags are for my nervous system being way off. When I notice that that's happening, I, not all the time, but hopefully most of the time, can either like take a step back from the conflict or the conversation I'm having to take care of myself, or if it's just me and I'm like, I'm feeling distressed, I'm upset about something. It's been so much easier to break that rumination loop with this method because instead of me sitting there being like, what's going on, what's going on, what do I need? I'm gonna think of it like this, I'm gonna think of it like this. I'm like, okay, I will have way more of a clear idea of what's going on and what I need when my body feels calm. What do I need right now to try to relax and feel safe? And I just focus on that and that's a huge shift, right? Like that's a very big difference between being like, I need to figure out um, why I feel this way and if it's reasonable or not and solve it like a math problem to like, that'll come with time. Uh, I just need to find some like safety and calm in my body and there's different strategies to do that. You can use self-regulation, things you can do by yourself or co-regulation, like, you know, a hug, a conversation with a safe person. There's a lot of different ways to climb up that nervous system ladder back to your ventral vagal your safe and connected zone this shift of being like okay i'm going to focus on felt safety and relaxation before i try to problem solve whether that's problem solving with uh, an adult a kid just with myself problem solving and analyzing is step three now instead of step one and it's made a really big difference so Now, let's talk a little bit more specifically about what that means. Like, regulate, relate, reason. What does that look like? The regulation piece starts with noticing the signs that you are dysregulated and that you're kind of in survival mode, that your nervous system is activated. I've talked about that in some other episodes, too, but some of the signs of that can be like your reactions are not proportionate to what's going on. You feel overwhelmed with like anger, fear, shame, sadness, anxiety, like whatever whatever it is, it's very overwhelming and all-encompassing. Your thoughts are racing. You're having a hard time connecting with your emotions. You maybe feel numb, dissociated, disconnected. You are launching into familiar coping mechanisms like people-pleasing, shutting down. You're having negative core beliefs pop up like this is happening because I'm bad or everyone is always going to let me down or these kind of like old beliefs are, are feeling really real. These are all signs that your nervous system is is activated and that you're not in your ventral vagal, in your safe and connected zone. So stemming from that awareness and kind of being like, okay, that's that's what's happening. Um, the, you know, the first step is to, like I just mentioned briefly, put whatever the issue is aside and just focus on the regulation. And for me, that often looks like going on a walk, listening to music, um, 
calling a friend and just talking with them not to reason but just to get like empathy and emotional connection which is regulating um physical touch like if i can get a hug if i can get some cuddles if i can play with my dog um these are all ways that i can self-regulate or co-regulate and it just depends you know different things work differently for everybody i also like to use all five senses like smell something taste something uh, touch something soft take a shower like things to kind of reconnect with my body that regulation is the first step and specifically when they're talking about parents and kids with a 3R model it gets a little bit more complicated because of parental roles but I'm just kind of giving a, a simple overview right now the next step relate is mostly applicable I would say in um, relational context so in the context where it's just you dealing with your anxiety this might not be as applicable or or maybe I'm just uh, not thinking of it but the relate step is based on trying to recreate your sense of like shared safety and security with someone before you start talking about whatever the rupture or the disconnection was the dysregulation was so some examples of what this might look like are like for a parent and a kid before you start talking oh let's look out the window and like look at the birds let's watch an episode of that show you like let's um you know laugh at some jokes like you're you're doing things to re-establish the connection and the relationship before you go into like the rupture um or the whatever the issue is that needs to be problem solved and this also helps with regulation and it, and it helps set the stage for that like reasoning to be more effective um, when you kind of remember like, oh, yeah, like me and this person love each other. We're safe, you know, with um, with adults that could look like before we talk about this, you know, let's just like cuddle for a little bit or, you know, I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to the experience of. Um, you know, maybe you're kind of upset with someone and you want to talk about it. But what ends up happening is, you know, before you talk about it, you end up laughing about something or having some silly conversation. And it kind of helps you remember like that sense of safety and connection and feel more comfortable and might even lead to a dialogue about the conflict. So once you and the other person are both in a place where you're feeling Um, calm enough you know um, less activated and more grounded you can make that kind of your next step is like relate Um, we're not going to dive right into it we're going to give each other you know a hand massage or watch a movie or eat some dinner or just kind of do something nice to reestablish the shared respect and, and connection that we have and once you are both feeling regulated and you are feeling reestablished in your connection then You get a free pass to start reasoning and repairing and um, problem solving and all that good stuff. And it really is so much easier if you do those those two steps first. So, yeah, regulate, relate and then reason. It's easy for me to remember. It's a really big like dynamic shift from what myself and I think a lot of other people who kind of get trapped in their heads are used to and it has majorly improved my communication with other people and the way I kind of respond to myself when I'm distressed so um yeah highly recommend and I do have um links to more information about this more in depth in my resource guide what the 3R model really is is it is honoring the biological reality of being animals being mammals and the reality of how our bodies and our brains work when we're distressed and we're dysregulated and you know understanding the the science behind this has these very real world applications um that can really help create a sense of safety and 
insecurity. Like it is really safe to know that um, you and another person are both committed to not engaging in problem solving or conflict resolution until you're both feeling regulated and reestablishing your connection. That creates a really good foundation for effective communication. And uh, I've talked about um, the importance of relational healing. So that is having new experiences that disconfirm your core beliefs about people and about yourself and having um, relational experiences that break your trauma patterns and help create new secure ways of interacting and conflict is a huge trigger for a lot of people like conflict is really scary especially if you did not grow up having healthy and safe conflict modeled for you so um, that's one of the reasons I think this tool is so helpful Um, if you are trying to become more assertive a better direct communicator um, work on your fear of conflict experience relational healing Um, setting these shared goals for how to approach conflict and distress is really valuable and it doesn't have to be perfect everyone messes up but having this understanding that like these are needs that if they are respected if they are met um, it really can enhance your level of um, calm and connection when you're working through things with people. And that's healing in and of itself, being able to navigate conflict and navigate difficult emotions while you're also feeling safe and connected is really powerful, especially if you've never experienced that and if you have attachment trauma and if you have trauma from conflict. Um, so yeah, I. I hope that I've summarized it well and definitely check out the reading about it in my guide if you'd like to learn more. Okay, I'm going to talk about two more things that I've learned through polyvagal theory that have been really helpful and kind of briefly explain how I use them in my life. So um, one of the other big revelations that I had while I was reading Deb Dana and Stephen Porges and some of the other authors who um, have kind of established somatic healing and polyvagal theory in the field is this idea from Deb Dana that story follows state. And what story follows state means is that the story we tell ourselves, the way that we perceive and understand and process information is very, very reactive and respondent to the nervous system state that we're in. So one of the things that really stuck out to me was this idea that I got from Deb Dana that story follows state. And what story follows state means is that the story we tell ourselves, the thoughts and beliefs that we have, the way that we interpret and process information is very respondent and reactive to the nervous system state that we're in. So if you're in a shutdown mode where you're feeling collapsed and frozen in a dorsal vagal collapsed state in your nervous system, that might show up as thoughts like, you know, I'm hopeless. It's helpless. It's never going to get better. I can't do it. I should just give up. Like, it's impossible. And these thoughts and these beliefs are tied to the nervous system state, which is like you're frozen, you're collapsed, you're stuck, you're helpless. Or, you know, maybe there's been a time that um, something happened and your immediate thoughts about it were very revved up by anxiety and panic and fear and hypervigilance. Um, that was kind of coming from your body from like stress hormones and adrenaline because of some trigger and 
So the way you were thinking about it might have felt very legitimately, you know, very threatening or very concerning. And then later you come back to it and you're in a different nervous system state. You're feeling more relaxed. You had a nice night off and you come back to it and you're like, "Eh, now that I think about it again, I think it'll be okay. It's not too big of a deal. I can handle it. You know, you might feel more competent, confident. You might be like, yeah, this isn't great, but it's going to be okay. Um, So the, the story we tell ourselves about things is directly tied to the way that our body feels and like I was talking about earlier if we're in survival mode or if we're feeling safe. This was a big awakening for me because I had spent most of my life trying to influence my state with my stories. What I mean by that is if I'm feeling really anxious like uneasy sick in my stomach like I'm having all of these physiological and emotionally rooted experiences of just like like anxiety and and panic and stuff. I would try to resolve that by being like, okay, what do I need to think and how do I need to think it to get this feeling to go away? And this is really tied back into what I was saying earlier too. Like polyvagal theory has helped me understand the way that my brain and body works so I won't drive myself crazy trying to think my way out of trauma responses anymore because it just doesn't work. So again, this idea of story follows state is another reason that I think somatic healing and nervous system regulation is so beneficial and so important for trauma recovery because the way that you're able to um, approach a situation using balanced thinking, using self-compassion, your access to those reasoning skills like I was talking about with the three R's is going to be in response to your nervous system state. And so... um, I think like this is also the reason that um, you can hear something a bunch of times, right? Like you can hear a million times that it wasn't your fault. Like what happened to you wasn't your fault, but it just doesn't sink in. It just doesn't feel real. So if your feelings or your opinions about something kind of vary wildly, depending on how you're feeling, like one common example of this is um, people who struggle with maybe disorganized attachment patterns and have attachment trauma, they might have sometimes where they're looking at their relationship and they're like, this is so great. I love them so much. You know, we're both human beings and we both um, struggle with our own triggers and communication issues sometimes, but I'm really happy to be in this relationship. And and then same person, nothing changed. But the next day or the next week, there's a very different thoughts coming in of like, you know, um, heavy criticism or a lot of fear and anxiety that this like isn't the right person or um, a lot of uh, hypervigilance towards any sign that something is wrong. And it's like, where did this come from? Right. Like nothing happened. It's the same person. And I think what's going on a lot of the times when you kind of are like flip flopping between these two seemingly opposing perspectives on the same thing which can be confusing is that um this story is stemming from your nervous system state like if you're feeling safe secure and regulated you're gonna be much more able to access your compassion for yourself and others you're gonna um, assume positive intent more you're gonna have more warmth towards yourself and others you're gonna have um, more flexibility and leniency but um if you're feeling activated you're feeling unsafe and your nervous system is in fight or flight or freeze you're gonna have your thinking be a lot more rigid a lot more critical of yourself and others um, a lot more dogmatic a lot more fear-based so um, our thought patterns directly stem from our nervous system state 
What I will end on is this idea that I learned a few years ago about how to set realistic goals for complex trauma recovery. And this is something that people ask me about a lot, like, so in CPTSD recovery, do you ever actually totally get better or do the symptoms just decrease or like what does it really mean to recover from trauma? So I think what's really important to understand when answering that is that these nervous system responses and um, the fight, flight, freeze and fawn reactions that I've talked about, everyone has these. Animals have these. Those are not trauma responses in, in and of themselves. Those are naturally biologically wired survival connection and protection mechanisms built into our bodies right um so as long as we are walking around the earth having experiences our nervous system state is going to be shifting the goal is not to be in ventral vagal all the time that's not realistic um even people without cptsd get anxiety get dissociated sometimes get depressed sometimes so these different nervous system states aren't bad. I think it's really important to remember that like they aren't bad. They're not to be pathologized. They're to be understood and appreciated as what they are, which is survival mechanisms. And so the the goal realistically with CPTSD recovery or just with mental health in general um, is not to always be happy or always be regulated or um, never get triggered, never have a flashback. Um, these things do happen they happen less later in cptsd recovery but they can still happen the the main thing that really improves the quality of life for someone with cptsd in my opinion is your upward mobility aka your um your nervous system's ability to climb back up the ladder when you go down so if up here is ventral vagal that's sympathetic so that's like anxiety fight and flight and then down here is freeze collapse and shut down like we're always moving up and down this ladder all the time um you're gonna feel more you know or i'll speak for myself i'm gonna feel more safe and connected and grounded when i'm on a hike with my dog than when i'm like at work or the supermarket around a bunch of people and and my sympathetic nervous system is like kind of activated i'm like a little bit on edge right um that's that's normal but what is important is that it's fluid that you don't get stuck and that's what cptsd really is in a very significant way is like we get stuck in these trauma responses and in these nervous system states where we can't relax and we can't feel safe and we've lost that ability or when we get triggered it lasts for days or weeks and um, we feel trapped in it so um, this this was really helpful for me to understand so I can set realistic goals for my recovery where I'm not going to be hard on myself and I'm not going to be thinking like oh I got triggered or I got dysregulated or I dissociated so that means I'm not getting better like that means I'm not healing um no not at all like these responses are normal and they're animal and they can shift and change over time as you do more trauma work but the the really necessary like skill to to build is your resiliency and your upward mobility so like when i start feeling anxious when i get dissociated when i get triggered when i'm shut down when i'm in survival mode how much access do i have how many skills and resources do i have to get back to that safe and connected zone and sometimes it takes longer than others sometimes it's harder than others this to me is one of the main goals for trauma therapy and and it really is important to be one of the main goals in trauma therapy 
because that is a set of tools you can take with you that's realistic and is responsive to real life which is like in real life things happen you get into conflict your feelings get hurt you get anxious especially with cptsd when you have you know a lifetime of experiences to wire these certain responses into you and so what's really important is like when that happens what abilities and capacities and resources do you have to become grounded in the safety of the present moment again um get out of that rumination and obsession spiral uh reconnect with your body if you're dissociated and find your way back up to a safe and connected zone and this is why felt safety and access to felt safety is really in my opinion like the crux of working through complex trauma because that is what is lost in complex trauma um it's our felt safety and when felt safety is lost you see all of those emotional and mental health symptoms that flare up right along with that loss um we are very interconnected and our brains and thought patterns and emotions and physiological responses are all working together. I think the way this can be applied in real life is being gentle and compassionate with yourself when you're dysregulated, when you're distressed, reminding yourself that that's not a sign that you're not healing um, and that these responses are natural and are, are your body's way. These, these responses are your body's way of trying to protect you, trying to keep you safe. As you can learn new ways to anchor yourself in safety you will not have to rely on fight flight freeze and fawn and these other associated patterns as much i hope this all made sense i hope it was helpful um thank you for being patient with me i was on a little bit of a break from making content focusing on school the last few weeks but i'm happy to be back and yeah thank you for supporting the podcast